Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called... Um, the men escaped me. Obviously, sharing's always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids going into a senior cricket team. Taking like a wither, please. Um, a bit of advice. Yeah. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the great cricketer on today's show. We're talking New Zealand being amazing at home. Oh, they're so good at home. What are they hiding, New Zealand? We're talking India versus England, the third test review, the fourth test preview, and these wonderful series of T20 test matches. Sheffield Shield, everyone scoring hundreds. Travis Head, Moses Onriggs, Pete Anscombe, all the big boy greens in the hundreds as well. Hatsogler gets a game for South Australia. Colin Miller is on the show. Colin Miller is on the show. Sam Perry. And that's all before we get into hashtag RCDC. We've got some absolute belters this week, and I don't say that lightly. In fact, I do say that pretty lightly, but they are good, to be fair. So stick around for that. Do please stick around for that. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. You can use the code CHAMP for free shipping at budgiesmuggler.com. Ponting Wines, of course. Mm. Uh, celebrated friends, Ponting Wines. Gets behind this show. Manscaped is back, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My name is Ian Higgins. I'm joined by Sam Perry, Pezzy Lad. You know, we're just getting to final stage this year, aren't we? We're just getting to final stage this time of the year. Your dreams are dead. Some teams think they can make it. Basically, one or two teams can make it, and it's all ahead of us. Yeah. Well, thanks, he goes. And you're right. I perused the sports pages over the weekend, as is my want. Mm-hmm. And I noted that sports now led by, in Australia, that is, by footy trials. Footy trial story. Yeah. You're, you're who's, scrolling. Who's running fast at the moment? Exactly. Well, it depends what state yeah. you're from. In New South Wales, Queensland, it's a mix between some bona fide rugby league trials and off-field misdemeanours. That's how they do their, uh, I guess, hype for the season. And in Aussie rules, it's who can run around the tan quick or 2Ks (laughs) fast and who's looking good. And and rule changes. And to be fair, AFLW, they actually play a competition. Mm. But uh, Mm. I just noticed you had to scroll a bit further to get down into cricket stories. People are starting to get ready for footy. They couldn't get out to the footy last year. Yeah, that's right. And, but you still made it sound like a lot's going on in the cricket because there's always a lot going on. Oh, there's a lot going on. And this is an on. India account now anyway. So <laughs> there's heaps going on. Welcome back to the gully cricketer. There's, uh, I'm not sure if you caught this. Uh, there's an article in The Australian. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I caught it. I gave you the article. 
<laughs> it was entitled The Bloodiest Cricket Story Ever Told. And it refers to a, uh, an article where David Colley was facing Jeff Thompson in a grade game in the 70s. Those glory, glory years. Those glorious, glory years. Uh, Mossman v. Bankstown. Do you want to take this away? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> Simon McLaughlin told this story in The Australian in his column there. So they were at the pub having a beer, mm-hmm. Simon and David. I'm just sort of assuming this is the tone. I read it, it's having a beer. Mm. Probably a bit of side mouth Two blokes on. facing separate walls, mouths pointing at each other. Exactly. Crotches <laughs> at each other. I don't know why I'm sledging it. It's a good story. Yeah, da- so, and it involved David Colley. So David Colley played three tests for Australia. Yeah. Played 87 games for New South Wales. He captained New South Wales. He was mm. a very good player. Good player. Pla- went on an Ashes tour in 72. Yeah. This is when they sort of started doing some like, hippie stuff as well. 68 tour, all suits. 72 oh, tour, okay. belt buckles, okay. hair, the whole, the whole I thing. I thought you were talking about the Beatles when they did like, they started to get the drugs and stuff. That was a few, that, that was late 60s. I mean, Beatles were sort of ahead of their time yeah, in yeah, relation yeah. to Australia yeah. anyway. Getting back to some Benno stuff there. E- well, <laughs> fuck. And there's some stories. <laughs> It's 1973-74, Mossman v. Bankstown at Bankstown Oval. Now, it's wet. Everyone's hungover. And for those who aren't from a particularly niche place of Sydney, Mossman are the blue bloods, Bankstown are the working class at right. the time. Right, right, right. right. Collie, David Collie plays for Mossman. Yeah. Jeff Thompson, who many people should know, yeah. plays for Bankstown. He bowled quick, didn't he? And he bowled pretty quick. Yeah. And he wasn't happy because Collie had his spot in the New South Wales side. Right. Right. And, uh, and and Jeff Thompson's been in like interviewed about this game on Fox Sports and stuff like that, and he's okay. that that's how sort of crazy it was. And he just said he's on Fox saying I I, I told them before the game to get their Rolls Royces out of there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Can you imagine someone actually turning up to a great game in a Rolls Royce? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Australia's a lot more of a sort of uh, yeah. class based society. I've seen more blokes arrive to a game in a cab. Yeah. than I have a Rolls Royce. So the Mossman boys are turning up in their Rolls Royces. <laughs> Thompson's out of the side for David Colley, who's playing in the Rolls Royce team. Right, and Thompson, so Colley's in next. Thompson's bowling the first bloke, <laughs> an opener, Royce I guess. Team. And he literally, Thompson warns this bloke, mm. according to Thompson, mm. get out of the way. So it's Just, like it's like a man cat. I, so, I suppose he, he said, it's a get, warning. Get out of the way. He doesn't get out of the way. Thompson bowls, smacks him in the face. Fuck. Ball smacks him in the face. This, this bloke loses teeth. Apparently, his eyes coming out of his socket. Yeah, there's blood the everywhere. Fuck? There's a pool of blood as he goes off in an ambulance. There's teeth lying in Teeth it. in the wicket. Collie's telling this story to the journo, and he's telling the story to the journo recently. He's like, he's up there scratching out an imaginary guard, <laughs> and he's saying, I'm scratching my guard through a pool of my mate's blood. Anyway, he's out first ball stumps everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just funny when you think about David Collie. Maybe people don't remember David. I actually played with his son, David Collie, but um, oh, right. incidentally, and... Uh, well, David, Cole, I, I don't really register the name. Still, three tests for your country. Yeah, and I know. just remind I didn't recognise completely name. unrelated story. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, t- talking of cliches, mm. a few years ago, I was at the SCG members bar, probably wearing chinos. Yeah, you know, and probably. I'm, sh- and I'm, and I'm, well, yeah, it's probably a weren't allowed in. They hand it to you when you walk in. I'm ashamed of that. Which shade of blue would you like to wear today? Precisely <laughs> the one that matches my eyes. <laughs> And I'm standing in a semicircle with blokes older than me, a good Gen X guys, older as, than again, me. Again, is your want. As is my want. Yes. Probably holding a crown lager of some description. Again, right. I'm, not, I'm just being honest. This is the scenario. Yeah, yeah. You're in And I was being told a story about a, about a guy that only played a couple of test matches and yeah, how these yeah, guys yeah, fade yeah. from memory a little bit, but, yeah. but not for them. And so the story was, <laughs> and it's very classic, and again, this is just a cultural exchange. I'm yeah. not glorifying it. Sure. But apparently what he used to do was his, his wife would get upset at him 
uh, quite often, and they would they would blow a little arguments and stuff like that. He'd come home, bit okay. older, he's sort of in his forties, fifties now. Sorry, I, sorry, I've lost mm. here. Are you talking about the guy that you were talking to at, at the ground? No, so it's just be I'm being oh, told someone else. Relate a story. Oh, okay, sorry with you. Yeah, with no, you. you're right. Okay. Just clarifying. Anyway, I'm in this semicircle, and he's like, and they're relating the story about this guy. He's only played a couple of test matches, okay. and he's, when his wife gets angry at him, probably apparently what he does is he walks, he he, he wanders upstairs, yeah, um, takes his clothes off, yeah, puts one item. Or t- Carries one item downstairs with him, and that item is his baggy green. Puts it on his head, and he says to her, "How many fucking tests have you played?" <laughs> that it may or not be true. It may not be true. The same guy a few minutes later started getting upset that we call it long leg, not fine leg. <laughs> but oh you know, wow, they're okay. the kind of conversations you have at the SCG members. Not My glorifying. God. I'm just it's a it's just cultural insights. Don't tell me to do the dishes. How many fucking tests you played? Well, I'm not picking the kids up from school. <laughs> I did get a FaceTime from somebody on the weekend. <laughs> you ever see me bat? I slugged it out there for 50 overs yeah. in the dirt. How many fucking tests you played? Good Clint Eastwood, so. <laughs> of... Get off my porch. Exactly, fucking... but he has a baggy green. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> The power that must be afforded to you as a baggy green possessor. Yeah. I've never seen one. I've still never seen one. Yeah. Have you seen one? No. I've got to see one, man. And we know people who have them. And Warren's I think got like, like six of them. Sometimes we're privy to, of, to stories involving cricketers that like aren't for uh, repeating. But like, yeah. I've never known cricketers to talk about how they muck around in their baggy green. Yeah. So like it actually retains the true earnest mythology. But I think that's, that's Steve War stuff though. Steve War did that. Um, for most people on that team, I still think mm. about um, when when the team went to uh, Wimbledon to watch Pat Rafter play, and they were wearing the baggy greens. Not Shane Warne; he's in the Oakley. He's in the Oakley baseball cap. I mean, I remember, that, was, that was the 2001, so I was fifteen or sixteen, yeah, and I yeah, thought yeah. I thought that was the coolest thing at the time. Yeah, oh yeah, I thought it was. Cool I had well. no sense that that was yeah really grim stuff. Really grim. And look at and look at and like I thought Warne. I, I was I looked down on Warne. That's where Australia was at the time, but. A bit, you a really jingoistic kind of stuff. How can you go stuff. past Pat Rafter's serve volley tactics in that era? You know how can you how can you possibly go past that? But isn't it funny as well? Like Steve Waugh, he gave he gave this like iconoclastic uh, image to the baggy green in itself. Yeah, and therefore that has raised a million dollars through Shane Warne, who didn't even want the thing <laughs> through Warren bushfires. Four others, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that as well. <laughs> um, you, you know, so. But I, I feel like because because you hear about guys in the Invincibles and stuff like didn't Sam Loxton sell his he was in the he was in the Invincibles um tour and he sold his baggy green, there wasn't the same like mythology around the baggy green cap mm. then and I wonder if like other nations have I wonder if England have that with their three lines and stuff I know like you know once those guys like Joe Root or um the Joe Root, yeah Joe Root just plays hundred Test match he got like he they say get the one hundred underneath the three lines Josh Butler played his fiftieth Test match mm. I want to say got 50 under there so there's there's some form of it in other countries but i don't feel like it has the same mythology in other countries in australia and mm. and but that's that's great that it's translated though because i feel like that's only a steve war thing is my point i'm trying to make mm. in the year 2000 they wore the like a centenary skull cap that was black that's and right, had a really short right, brim now right. that's the sort of stuff i'd love to muck around in yeah okay ponting would have one of those yeah our friend ricky ponting <laughs> ponting <laughs> <laughs> You know how um, Steve Smith was scratching the wicket during that SCG test match? Yeah. <clears throat> that was normal. Maybe he was 
maybe he was doing some Indiana Jones stuff, just like just just scratching the crease, like um like uh, David Colley was here with like he was just imagining blood at the wicket with teeth through it. Hey, just, wouldn't just clean it up, clean up the wicket. Wouldn't put it past. He could see all sorts of things. He's seen he's seen stuff, code yeah. Matrix yeah, in front yeah. of his eyes. He's a savant. He's a savant. So, Pez, uh, on Patreon this week, as you know, episode hashtag, uh, hashtag RCDC Fridays, episode 29, we got into some areas again. We, uh, we talked about Mike Gatting in non-pen. Uh, we talked about Ziz. We're talking about a uh, disturbing dream involving a thin penis. Um, and we also discussed Mark War saying Lashnega has run out of carrots. <laughs> that was the majority of it. <laughs> it was most of it. That was most of it. So once again, some really strange areas on Patreon. In, it must be said, a... Again, a staunch defense of Mark Wall, the commentator, and I'm being serious about that. Yeah, I know. I think once you understand the brand, nobody commits to the brand better than Mark Wall. If Mark Wall came in researched, it wouldn't work. No. It doesn't work. No. I say embrace it, much like Indian pitches, which we'll get to. That's patreon.com forward slash great cricket if you want to join a wonderful community happening there. Now, Pez, New Zealand versus Australia, that second T20 feels like it was about a month ago. It's a few days ago. This is a very stretched out series, isn't it? Playing five T20s. Uh, and there was none on the weekend for some reason, but they played one. When was this game played? Wednesday or something? Something like that? Thursday, yeah. Um, and Australia almost got out of jail, but they didn't. They lost that game as well. Now they're 2-0 in the series. Now, this is more evidence that New Zealand are, are a very, very good team, aren't they, at home? Is it? I don't know. I don't know either. Isn't this the problem? Welcome to the cast. T20, <laughs> T20 cricket generally that they seem contextless, unless you get them all in a big series like a World Cup. That's right, and I think that relates to the Finch discussion, which we'll have in a second. Sure. But that's that's right. We were sitting on the couch, preparing to record that uh, Mark War Carrots cast. Yeah, it's on Patreon.com/slash/cricket, and uh, we just wanted to watch Josh Phillippe bat. Yeah, <laughs> well, I know I did. I was like, oh, we just, and and he was he was starting to motor a little bit, mm. and it got to a stage where Australia still needed a fair few, and you, I think, were drinking a cup of tea with one leg crossed over the other, and you said they'll lose this, yeah, and and. You were right. You were completely... Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> got off and, well, they actually got quite close. Yeah. It was a little bit like that. It's it's, dif- it's difficult to read this series. I only say that because Australia's losing. Mm. With New Zealand, have they ever been in a better place globally than right now? Leadership in tech, in, in, in intact. Multiculturalism in tech, yeah, in tech yeah. yeah. Multiculturalism in the cabinet. Check. Yeah. Cricket, two times World Cup finals in the last couple of years. World Test Championship final coming up. Yeah. They've sorted of the rugby hoodoo about, you know, when they had some choking staff. They won a couple. Of Not great at the moment, but they'll be fine. Ah, they'll be, I'll be fine. Won a couple of World Cups. COVID management. First country to eradicate the virus. Did so for like 100 days. But what do the Kiwis really want? Like, what do they really want? And I think what they really want to do is fucking smash Australia in the cricket. That's what they want at the moment. Maybe need. And it's a bit like they want a hug from dad. And dad's come over. Dad's come to watch. But it's not the best form of dad, is it? So there's a bit of an excuse there already. But they just want to fucking smash Australia, I feel like. Yeah. That's what they really want. And they're kind of getting it, but kind of not. We're not paying attention to them. Not paying attention to them Because you've, you've just pointed out that as a nation, they're quite actualized. I mean, yeah, they are. the Western world is falling apart. It's crumbling. We've already said it's the Asian century. Yeah. There's lots of other things happening mm. globally, a lot of forces at play yeah. that would suggest that um, you know we're on the brink of revolution some Unless the tech companies can just keep us feeding our data back and we just do the stay in the bubbles <laughs> and just yeah. stay trapped. Yeah. But uh, that's Hopefully. fine. That's a, that's a different cast. B, 
But New Zealand, for the reasons you said, mm. are really doing well. And still, Australia, the big brother, we don't take notice. Mm. We don't really. We go, that's cute. Mm. And that's our own insecurity, isn't it? I mean, this is a country that in a couple of months' time could be holding the World Test Championship aloft yeah. at Lords, mm. a trophy that we believed was ours. Yeah. And we now need oh, we'll, we'll win that. and we now need England to win. <laughs> we now Seems need the, we now need the country that enjoys others losing more than themselves winning to win if, against India if away. If England had to get to a day three, I'd feel uh, I'd feel a little bit confident. Yeah, yeah. but a win that's yeah. maybe that's that different realm. So what does that say? It really just shows that it will take a lot for Australia to pay attention to anybody else. And this is also kind of the point that Simon Dool and. Um, who else was saying it? Ashwin? No, Simon Dolan. Who was it talking about last week? No, I think Ashwin had said Devin Conway was four days too late. Yeah, he's hungry. Sorry. You're right. You're right. Getting and picked it, up in the And he was saying like there's heaps of New Zealand players who are who are overlooked. And that's just that's just another great case yeah. in point. It's just like New Zealand fucking absolutely smashed India. Yeah. And look how good India are. And it's a bit like that first game was played on a really big ground with, like, objectively long boundaries. The biggest 89. New Zealand ground I've ever seen. Yeah, and I still saw a lot of reports and commentary on Twitter of, like, oh, you just got to chip that, chip those sixes on this postage stamp. <laughs> like, do you use your eyes? But it's 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 the stereotype. It's like, oh, when you but when you play in New Zealand, firstly, rugby nation, yeah. they're playing on rugby fields. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. They're but not. that's just what you've seen in the past. Yeah. And secondly, so you just chip sixes on postage stamp. That's it. Yeah. So, sorry, New Zealand. It's a bit like when you see games at North Sydney Oval and it's like, it's tiny. And then yeah. you actually play there yourself and it's like, it's like quite yeah, big. It's a normal-sized ground for adults. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so well done, New Zealand. You're going to win this series. Uh, and I've given up all hope. Now, Stoinis, now, I want to talk about the Australian side. Um, Stoinis did something good. He scored some runs. Now, he's got a good record in New Zealand, doesn't he? Because he scored that 147, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. And that's when he sort of came to fruition to the Australian public conscious One of the mind. Great innings. And won the game for for his country, and then since oh they the, didn't win that game. I was in the losing side, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was Hazelwood was side. run out. Yeah, that's right. I was in the losing side. Um, but since then, I feel like Stoinis he had a really rough World Cup in 2019. This is sort of petered out a little bit. He's got a great big bash record record opening the batting. Then comes into the Australian setup. And he has to bat in the middle order, which is obviously the hardest place to bat in T20 cricket. It seems like anyway, and I guess his performances, he would say himself, would be a little bit inconsistent for what he what he has to offer. But like, so I wonder, do you think at all he was in any way close to being like part of a conversation of like, hmm, could find something better here. Mm. I think he has. I mean, he has been in and out, especially with the ODI side as I well. He's been injured as well with that man. Yeah. Of so I think the question is, what's his long-term place? What, what are they? I mean, I think they, they do give him a lot of opportunities, which is great as yeah. they should. He's, yeah. a, he's a really good cricketer, but yeah, yeah they seem to be, they seem to be a little bit unsure about the balance of his T20 side, don't mm. they? Mm. There was a lot of chat before that last innings he played that perhaps the number five or six needs to be a little bit more of that uh, yeah. classic number six who can come in and whack it straight away or go through the you know go through the gears or rescue an innings. Whereas yeah. Thorne has kind of had that one mono sort of um, managed way of doing an innings, mm. but he proved that wrong in the last game, and it, he, abs- he nearly he nearly brought him home. That's that's always the thing when you come into a World Cup year, like even in the in ODIs, the fifty over stuff, where you come into a World Cup year, and then you do, they're just trying to figure out their team. And it feels like the last like two World Cups that Australia have gone into, they haven't given a fuck about it really. Then it comes into the year of the World Cup, and like, mm. hey, okay, let's just start trying to piece some stuff together here. Now it's obviously hard when like at the moment we was uh, we we the, yeah, the, yeah. the us the, in the side the test players were supposed to be in South Africa. And uh, 
and then they've committed to that. So, like, there's probably five guys, four or five guys, four of the best players as well who aren't playing in this team. So it's a, it, it even still feels a little bit, like, patchy in terms of what are we actually trying to learn from from this. Yeah. But one thing that I do like seeing is we watch Philippe Bat, and, yeah, he's he's a real deal. Yeah, he's the real deal. He's a real deal. And another guy, I reckon, who's come from, like, the, the Gilchrist, um, you know, like, like I said this a while ago, like, you know, when Warren was buying, it's like, this is going to, Prove to be a great generational leg spinners because he's going to inspire all these young people. And it's like, oh no, you can't do that unless you have enormous hands and you're a freak. Whereas wicketkeeper batsmen are fucking everywhere, and it's all mm. because of Gilchrist. I'm sure he has mm. changed the game entirely, and he's just another one who's a wicketkeeper who's an amazing stick. Yeah, I felt like Australia was heading into last year's uh, almost T20 World Cup in Australia in a really good position. Yeah, yeah. I thought they'd actually built it, and they were getting quite serious about winning mm. that. Mm. And it feels like probably due to COVID circumstance and the fact that they're big, their, their players aren't there and there's not been a lot of T20I cricket. They're sort of a bit back to square one. There's, there seems to be a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, 2019 World Cup feel to it of like, oh, we haven't really paid much attention to this. Mm. I've contradicted myself because I've said they were good to go a few months ago and now they're not. <laughs> it just goes to show the recency bias you have with everything. But uh, yeah. it's hard to see how the this T20 side comes together. Mm. Uh and whether we should give him a break because of the South Africa stuff that happened or, yeah. or, or whatnot. Langer's not over there. I mean, yeah. it's a, is, is it experimental? Mm. Is it not? And then I know you're about to introduce this and, you, and mm. you've got the Finch question. Well, that's it. <clears throat> that's kind of the big question at the moment. Um, the big talk now about Aaron Finch is that I think he's averaged 15 in his last like four series going back to the IPL, uh, the Big Bash, and some international games before then as well. And George Bailey has said that he's definitely going to be the captain for the World Cup. Um, who's the only sl- he's the only selector in New Zealand at the moment? Mm. Finch's uh, it's been s- suggested anyway, uh, if nothing else, that Finch has really struggled with the bubbles. He's been in bubble for almost a year, I think. Right, um, in and out of bubbles in one capacity or another. I know there was an article uh, as well written about his his wife was getting abused from like problem gamblers, basically who was saying like you know he fucked their multi or some shit. <sighs> fucking the grimmest shit, it's man. Fucking grim. It's fucking grim. Um, but you know, uh, I wonder if it's almost like he needs to be taken out a bit or, cause I mean, he, he is inarguably one of the best ever short form players Australia's ever produced. He's a mm. captain, but he ain't scoring any runs. And we watched that game, the second game. It's like, yeah, he's, he's real mm. out of form. Yeah. I'm not sure that we have the frames in Australia to like understand how to approach this because I think historically there's a, there's a couple of basic things that define how you get selected, you know, mm. like incumbency is a big one. Yeah. Uh, and obviously form is another one, but they're very related to like historic ways of looking at cricket, you know, like we don't, I don't know if that works for Finch or it doesn't. I, I get the sense that they feel like he'll come good, you know, and mm. a lot of, and it almost, it almost kind of concedes that a lot of these games don't matter. They're like, well, yeah. BBL, what the fuck's that? Mm. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. You know, this guy, he's a big time player. Yeah, like, he yeah. was out of form ahead of the ODI World Cup, then scored a couple of tons there as well. He was fine. Yeah. You know, and they're sort of like, with this as well, it's like, well, you know, we don't even have our side here. The mm. game's up for a few months. He's been in the bubble. Give him a few months off. He'll be fine. We back him. Ordinarily, you'd come back and say, just to, just for argument's sake, you'd go, well, he's 34. Yeah. Uh, so is, is, something gone is he losing something but again it's t20 cricket it's odi cricket it's not like you have to have you know sustained spells of bowling facing boomer and guys who are really going to test your defense and all that kind of stuff it's like well can you still hit it? we've seen a lot of guys in t20 cricket carry on their careers deep into their 30s yeah and beyond you know you wouldn't put that past finch so it's really difficult to know how to look at it you know if you, you get some of the old school guys going well he's out of form his average is bad he's not really contributed many runs time for somebody else I don't even know what sort of stability a captain brings in T in T twenty I cricket when they don't even see each other. Yeah, you know, I'm just not sure if the old ways of looking at it mm. are that helpful. But mm. 
the old ways are all we have because in Australia, all we do is think about things in old ways. Mm. Um, back to the war era. Mm. If it's the war era, he's gone. He's Mark Taylor. He's got one innings to save his life, <laughs> you know? But it seems to me that what George Bailey's saying and Stoinis and all these guys have just gone into bat for him 100%. And it's kind of heartening to see. And I just it occurred to me that what they're really saying is he's got credits in the bank. We understand that frame, credits in the bank. And, yeah. and he's got not just credits but good bloke credits. Those are fucking huge. Is it's like he's a great? Like how many times do you hear them say he's a great guy? And mm. I, I, I like seeing this. You can actually keep your spot in the side by being a great guy. Mm-hmm. This is a good change, I think. That's the most relatable thing club cricket ever. Yeah, he's good. He's good around the group. We'll just good get around it done. the group. We like him. <clears throat> we like having him. I wonder though if. But he, you've got a thousand openers banging the door down. You know, now, who had the longest grace period? The War Brothers. Ponting towards the end, mm, nah. like I wonder if I wonder if Finch has yeah, done I mean, that much the, for the what's country. What's the formula? Yeah, it's hard to see because you know the end of Steve War's career. Yes, I and do. Was it was a tough watch? A tough watch. Well, it was tough, and I say that as him being my surrogate father. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I wouldn't Fanny want to criticize a, oh, Daddy. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. I know. I mean, he. <laughs> Guys were bowling, blokes were bowling, and he was commencing his backlift, and it was just hitting him on the shoulder. Yeah, that kind of stuff. But it was Steve War. Yeah, Steve War. He had more to it. Now I don't know if Finch has the same cachet. Well, we were watching. But can him you back. get cachet in T Twenty? The, the whole point is we don't know what's going on in T Twenty. That's right. And a lot That's of people right. don't. I mean, we're watching him bat. He doesn't look like he can hit one off the square at the moment. No, no. everyone's gone through that. But when you're 34, the next question is: Have the eyes gone? Have the eyes gone? But you can, ask that, you can ask that in Test Cricket. I think you've run out of carrots, and, this, and I don't mean it from a horse perspective. No, this from, is an eye thing. Now. From final furlong. Uh, <laughs> energy carrots yeah, left. Energy carrots, yeah. it's, it's actually eyesight. That's right. But it's T20 cricket, so you're swinging, you know, he might start middling them. I don't know. I, he might start middling them. Also a good bloke and they like him. I say play on because none of these things really matter. Well, that's it. The, the, the doesn't matter bit is interesting because, you know, mm. in like in football sense, you know when a guy's out of form and he just needs to be taken out. He just as in, as in not, not with the sniper. Yeah. I, mean, just I know like, that. Yeah, just yeah. to remove okay. from. You want to shoot him. Yeah. You want to shoot him because he's, he's got a broken that. leg and he yeah. turned, he's sent to the glue factory. Aaron Finch is sent horses. to the glue factory because we're all horse stuff. Because we're all horses. <laughs> End of the day. Aaron I mean, Finch is a yoo stick. Yeah. He's a yoo stick. When's he going to become a Yoo-Hoo stick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he... No, but, no, but my point, okay, like in tennis, right, it, the, on the ATP tour, they don't need to be in the form of their life 12 months a year. They, 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 they taper for the four majors, right? And like in... in peaks cricket, and troughs. Peaks and troughs, Horses exactly. drinking at the trough. Footballers, they, like soccer players, they play like, you know, almost 12 months of the year now. They don't need to be in the best form of their life. They're almost expected to be in the best form of their life mm. 12 months, but that's not, that's not possible. Mm. So what happens is they sort of like rotate them a bit. They take them out of the side. Sometimes they be taken out of the side. But because of the inconsistency of schedule and how often does this group actually come together and he's the captain, can you actually just be, just fucking go home for a bit and just... Look after that side of Send your brain for a bit. and But then can he come back and still like hit sixes off the front dog? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I don't know who the net guys are that can see whether guys can still bomb them. Mm. You know, he, There's no doubt he he's 12 or 14 or whatever it was essentially cost them the game. Oh, yeah, it did, I yeah. suppose, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's a postage stamp, even if it's 90-meter boundary. Yeah, sure, so. you use your feet. Hey, that, uh, that, thir- <laughs> that third match is on Wednesday, which is in Wellington. Down the- or just with Finch, sorry. We're Please. literally one ex-player away, one day away from someone saying he's got to put 
He's got to put the pad away, the bat away, and get the golf clubs out. <laughs> That's part of the bingo of somebody oh, who's yeah, near yeah. retirement, isn't it? I remember. Just put them away and just get the golf clubs out and have a hit. And just have to take your mind off it. Now, what about I want to see my family? Do you reckon the fear of getting out in cricket is the most crippling thing? Because I remember going through like, now this didn't happen to me very often, but sometimes I went through a bit of a lean run of form with the runs in my playing career pairs. Not didn't sometimes. as I say, didn't happen very very often. But oh, right. I remember Quite like a consistent play I remember getting some yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember getting some advice from like um, I say he was a friend, but he was in a lower grade, so you know it was more of just like right. I sort of knew his name broadly. And, yeah, he was an associate. And he just said, "Junior associate." Yeah, he he, he was older than me, but um, <laughs> but he was junior in that yeah, relationship. You're looking yeah. off to the side here. Where are you looking, mate? I'll run out of carrots. Um, and he was just like, "Mate, you just need." I just fucking couldn't get the square, yeah. and I was just like, "Mate, you just need to go out there, clear that front leg, and just fucking swing from the hip." And I was like, "If I get out like that, like I could, I could, everything could end for me." Mate, I'm burning even- down clubhouses if that happens. I don't even know how to clear my front leg. That's yeah. also a skill. Yeah. You know? Oh, if I just have a carefree attitude and just like fucking look into the sky and swing from the hip, then I'll get – I just need one shot. I can't see it's the ball. It's not fucking Happy Gilmore. Yeah. I can't see the I can't ball. see it. And what I'm scared to of do? it. I'm scared I'm of the ball. I'm afraid of the ball. Yeah. I don't want to be hit by it. <laughs> I'm scared of the ball. I'm scared of the opposition. Second slip's having a bit of a chat. I'm scared of getting out. I'm scared. Of, I'm scared of the drive there. Yeah, it's scary. I don't yeah. recognise the street names. I'm scared of the existential <laughs> implications of this. I've got a study. I've got a job. I'm performing in neither of them because I'm getting to training at five o'clock. It means I have to leave at four. It's all wrong. My whole life's out of balance. I'm scared of getting tinier in the showers. Exactly, and I still have to keep a front up in front of people. It's gone too long. Anyway, that third match is uh, in Wellington. There's been a community outbreak in Auckland. Yeah, four um, reasons so, to leave. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they're not. Um, there's going to be it's no. Going to be no one there. No crowds. Hey, great turnout in New Zealand for oh, those. It was good games. to see. Midweek, midweek, and yeah. uh, full houses. That's good. Yeah, it was just good to see people. That's Frightening, true. but good. That's true. <laughs> Frightening is assumed. Yeah, fright. Yeah, always be scared as, as an emotion. Always be scared. Tough place to go, in New Zealand. Now, Pez, <laughs> India, England. Let's get into the third test. Let's wrap it up. Right. Which will take about as long as the match went itself. Lol. Uh, now, I suppose the big conversation, perhaps the only conversation come out of it, is pitch chat. We just want to talk about the pitch. Pitches ain't shit. Pitches ain't shit. And that could be the name of the show. And Ashwin has come out in the press conference. He's come out again, um, which was missed by a lot of people, but he's come out in the press and he he's had, some, he's, he's had enough. He's had enough of pitch chat, hasn't he? I thought it was fascinating. So should we just play? Let's set up this conversation with this exchange. So it, it runs for a little bit, ladies and gentlemen, and it's, it's an exchange but yeah, between uh, an English journalist and, and Ravi Chandran Ashwin about the pitch. I think it's very, very interesting in terms of Pax Britannica v. Asian <laughs> Century. Hi, yes. I was wondering again about the pitch. Do you think it was a, a good pitch for Test Cricket, third test and do you expect or do you hope for a similar surface for the next test match? I have a question back. What is a good cricket surface? Who defines oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> Who I mean, defines I'm the it? The question, I was no, because because I think I think the question is asked so with a contest between bat and ball. No, uh, that, yes, of course, the bowler was in the game. The batsman needs to bat well to get runs. There is absolutely no question about it. What makes a good surface? Who defines this? Seam on the first day, then bat well, then spin on the last two days. Come on, who makes all these rules? 
it, we need to get over it and not talk about whatever picture we want to paint. And if you're asking whether it's a good test surface, I don't see any of the team, any of the players coming coming in from England having an issue with the surface. They want to improve. They look like they want to have to have a contest. Is it the players and the people who are reporting back that want their players to not compete and complain about the pitches? Because we've never done that in any of the tours. Yes. Hey, uh, similar surface in the next test match? It depends on what you're hoping for. We hope for a good cricket match. Now, team? I think most people would hope for a good cricket match. Of course, that's what you should be hoping for, not about the surface. See, that's... That's... That's Lords versus Mumbai. That's 1877. That's W.G. Grace mm. versus the Asian century. Mm. Right, the, in, that, in that exchange, as yes. far as I can see. He goes, now... Yes. Ashwin is merely uh, sort of repeating or consolidating what we've been suggesting, which is the entire concept of what a good pitch is, is now up for debate, particularly with the power of India. Now, you've got mm -hmm. you've got Michael Vaughan on the other side in England yeah. uh, writing articles with headlines. He doesn't write the headlines. say, you know, India's power allowing them to turn test cricket into a freak show. Mm. Memes abound from Vaughan and David Lord mm -hmm. Lloyd, sorry, mm -hmm. of uh, you know tractors going over soil and stuff. Or is this going to be the you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a big conversation about what's a good pitch. Who defines mm -hmm. what good cricket is these days? Is it turning into a freak show? He goes. Mm -hmm. Is it turning into TikTok? Mm. Or you know, was Herodotus right? The Greek historian well, talking about the Peloponnesian Wars. Might is right. If India says that's a good pitch, mm -hmm. then that's a fucking good pitch. Well, Play one, on. One thing I did like, Pez, was that Kohler came out and said the pitch was very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, was it, Marat? <laughs> now, the idea that people get bowled out in England or other parts of the world for 50, 60, 47, whatever. I mean, that does happen. But, like, that's because of the pitch that isn't right. That doesn't ring true to me. I mean, you get swung out in England. Yes, it seems. It does seem. It's 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 subtle though. I mean, it doesn't start outside leg and then go over third slip's head. You know, like it's 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 a subtle thing. You get swung out more, and uh, uh, unless we can control the climate change to such a degree where we can alter the barometric pressure in Manchester at two fifteen on a Wednesday, which we might be able to do, which we might be able to do. You know, hopefully, right. yeah, exactly. Um, they, the ball's always going to move in the air, right? And there's, but there's, so there's nothing like manufactured around that. You, you understand what I mean? Like it's more like the environment, I suppose, that that controls that movement and the they manufacture pictures to to get that kind of behaviour, though. In terms of what leading into grass yeah. on it, yeah, I think to a lesser degree. Now, what is manufactured though is like these wickets. I, I think I think the wickets in India. Now, I have to say that, but like that's also okay. What's happening in India is also okay, I think. It's not India's fault that England picked three seamers in this third test in Ahmedabad, possibly the worst selection of all time, of course, um, aside from uh, Will Smith choosing to do Wild Wild West over um, the Matrix. Of course. I keep saying that. Now, it's not India's fault that England seemingly don't have many good plays of spin on this tour. You can't throw your hands up in the air and say, like, this is cheating, which I kind of feel like England just, like, gave up after about an hour and a half in, like, the last two test matches. They're like, well... We can't win on this. That's not India's fault. I think at the same time, India almost like to counterbalance that as saying like, oh, this, is, which, this week is actually the best thing I've ever seen. This is actually, you know, neither of those things are true. Yeah, I, I agree with what Mark Butcher said last week. There seems to be this thing where like you can't have an honest conversation 
It has to be absolutely binary. This pitch is a disgrace. 100%. Or it's, no, you guys are fucked and, you know, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I think these wickets are going to keep getting rolled out in India for as long as touring teams aren't adapting to what's going to happen. Exactly. I keep going back to England picking Broad, Anderson, Archer. What the fuck were they thinking? That, uh, that, that's been completely swept to one side. There's too much talk about the, the pitch. Stokes is hardly bold in this series. What's going on there? Um, Joe Root taking five for eight. I mean, that's what's, what's Don Best doing? What's another spinner in the UK doing? Mason Crane's on the tour. Uh, Parkinson's, I'm pretty sure he's on that tour as well. Um, so as long as these wickets, you know, you know, Anglo-Western-centric 11s keep getting rolled out in these pitches, which we know are going to happen, we, we know they're going to do this, then that's then this will, this will just keep happening. These wickets are, are a lottery. They are a lottery. But, you know, they're a lottery when the teams are evenly matched. But and India know that they're not evenly matched. And also, India isn't Sri Lanka. The UAE is in Pakistan. Pakistan isn't the West Indies. So, like, so people are saying, like, well, it's spun in Sri Lanka. Yeah, but Sri Lanka ain't in India. They're, it's a different place. I checked. Nathan Lyon made Thoughts? some comments. Yeah, he did. Have you seen this? I did. As soon as it starts spinning, everyone in the world seems to start crying about it. I don't get it. I'm all for it. It was entertaining. England went in with four seamers. That'll do me. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is interesting. I do think that, the, um, that this situation is like should cause people to step back and think what are the conventions that we hold dear in cricket, the sacred cows that we go, we don't touch that and this is kind of weird. And I do think that it's worth considering what Ravichandra and Ashron is saying. And the, the key thing he said in that press conference to me was who makes all these rules? Mm-hmm. Because I do think there are some um, unquestioned kind of yeah, conventions that – are dictating our notion of what is weird and what isn't. And I think Nathan Lyon is kind of backing that up. He's like, you know, why why is it weird for a ball to spin in a in an extreme way, mm-hmm. in a way that gets pe- people's goat, mm. nice. but not so much with seam and swing? Mm. It's just a question. I've been thinking about the term lottery because I was saying a lot on our daily um, shows as well. It was, a, it, was a, it was a lottery pitch. Like... I'm not so sure anymore whether that uh, – it's a bit of a dangerous word, lottery. It kind of reminds me of, like, the term political correctness a little bit. It's kind of weaponized mm. to suppress the idea of actually just being nice to people or considerate of people, politically correct. And I mm. think it's – I think the lottery pitch is being, like, t- like used to um, suppress spinners a, a little bit. Like, it's it's not a lottery. It's skill. I mean, some players have got better skill in dealing with those misbehaving balls, those asymmetrically behaving balls mm. than others. And so – and that's what Ashton's saying. There is skill involved. Absolutely. Indians have better skill. I still maintain that them beating us at the Gabba was the scariest thing because we've always been able to say when they dust us over there mm. what Tim Payne said. That's yeah. why it was such a famous comment mm. because we couldn't do it anymore. The Gabba was the antithesis of the Indian mm-hmm. wicket mm-hmm. and now they've dusted us there. There's almost nowhere to go. Mm. And I agree with the last Wellington. thing you say. Well, fuck. <laughs> the last post. It is. <laughs> New Zealand's our last hope. Yeah, and then they're going to play. They're going to play at Lords, but uh, yeah, right. wherever or the Rose Bowl, or the fucking COVID yeah. stuff. Um, and so the last bit, I think you're right about the last bit. It's might is right. Peloponnesian Wars, Herodotus, might is right. Like mm. some of our AFL athletes now need to become Axar Patel. Yeah, that's right. Mitchell Stark, the next generation of Mitchell Stark is is left unorthodox mm-hmm. now. It, it's it's a time for the spin revolution. We've kind of hypothesized about who you take over there. 
And I think there's, as in for touring teams, and I feel like Australia are a little bit further ahead than what England are. Now, England England have got in the middle of like they're playing 85 tests this year. They probably won't work. This will all be forgotten a little bit when they dust, well, they hope they hope to beat India at home. Mm. They've got an Ashes year, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there's that. But um, but I feel like Australia are a little bit closer because when we went there a few times, uh, a few years ago, mm. rather, Moses played, played really well. Steve O'Keefe played. Mm. We've, I think we've tried we've tried a little bit horses for courses still. Now, like, you know, Pez, that I am a huge Ollie Pope guy. I love Ollie Pope. He ain't scoring shit on these wickets. It's, it's a waste of time him playing. He cannot play there. Ben Stokes is one of the best players in the world. He's completely nullified in these conditions, I think. I understand that, like, to reach the pinnacle of the game that is test cricket, you have to prove yourself that you can compete at that level, and that's fine. So there's, there's probably a very few amount of guys in county cricket or shield cricket who can actually compete at the very top level, but... Compete at the top level in what conditions? Yeah. I think I think that's the thing. It's just like you might think. I, I suggested as a bit of a dark horse that like a guy like Samit Patel in this England squad may actually be much more effective than someone like I don't know another name in the England squad, right? Who, who might be playing? Ben Folks is a, would be considered a much lesser player than Josh Butler, for instance. But he seems to be a much better player of spin. Is there, a, is there a potential him batting three? Because Bearstow ain't scoring shit over there either. You know, that like, you have to, you've got guys in your setup who might not score buckets of runs playing at home against Sri Lanka, but there are guys who will do much better, which is hard to be, uh, bear and take, grin and mm. take, who will succeed in different conditions like mm. in India, which is a completely foreign environment to us. So, yeah. like, until people keep, you can't pick the same team. You can't think, oh, Mitchell Stark will, will hoop it in Mumbai. It's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, and I think the sooner we get used to that, the better. It'd be really interesting to see the deck that they roll out for the fourth test. Because I just, I Should mean, from what, from what Coley's saying, what Ashwin's saying, there's definitely a company line to it, which is a little course, bit grating. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of a company line of like, don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Dada's in the ear, don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing that reveals that there's a power shift going on. Dada's in the ear, don't yeah, worry about that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Big Dada. <laughs> So, so yeah, there, there's a company line going on, but I, I'm not sure what kind of power. I mean, Vaughn and um, David Lloyd and that mob, they're they're howling at the moon mm. at it. I mean, the this the horse, and this is the horse is bolted. Mm. It's the time for spin. We've mm. just got to create some spinners. And why can't Australia's team next time going over the B guys like Maxwell Hanscom? Kawaja. I'm just thinking about people who can play spin well. Exactly. Why not? It's just sacred cows you've got to get rid of. Mm. Yeah. A lot of animal references. On a lot the of show. animal references. Now, hey, can I say quick, something quickly about the shield? We're going to go into the shield. Please. Are we? Because I know it's a long first segment. Just on Hanscom, I managed to watch a little bit of the play yesterday uh, between New South Wales and Victoria. He saved the game yeah. uh, for Victoria. Flat wicket, docile mm-hmm. wicket. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and, and Nick Benson looked really good as well, like with his round frame glasses and looking really good. Yep. But, um, Hanscom hit a hundred first hundred for a couple of years, and I t- mm, twenty eighteen I thought yeah, and he he looked really good, and I just noted like his test career has been like sixteen games, nine hundred and fifty runs at thirty eight two tons one in India, um, Ollie Pope, and he was discarded off the back of that Ollie Pope sixteen games as well sixteen games seven hundred runs at thirty two yeah. 100. One ton. Now, yeah. a couple of years younger than Hans- Hanscom, but we're yep. talking about, you know, Hanscom's probably peak, peak of his career or whatever. Mm. I don't know what that says if Australia's batting standards higher. Mm. He got, you know, he was got rid of too soon or whatnot, or, or, or it's time for Ollie Pope to have a spell. I don't know, but um, Hanscom's another guy you'd love to come back into the mix. Yeah. 
Mate, I'd be excited for that as well. Just like seeing like different players come up and play mm. for Australia and try and do the job. Mm. It just doesn't make any sense to try and pick the same eleven. I would try and you know when Australia won in two thousand and one over in India, they they went into four, that, yeah, doesn't four, yeah, four, yeah. four, four. The, they came into that last test match, fourth test match. They need to win the game, and the the grounds and rolled out a green seamer. Yeah, that ain't happened no more. Yeah, that was the last time we've ever seen a green seamer in India. Like so you, you look at you look at the highlights of like two thousand and one even, and Steve War still got like seven slips and a yeah. gully. Yeah, and it's still <laughs> like it's um, cricket. McGrath, Gillespie, and Kasparovic just banging in short of a length. That's right. Like just on fourth stump, for, yeah. you know, yeah. off stump, fourth stump. Yeah. Can you nibble an edge? Yeah. And eventually VVS Laxman just starts pressing forward and just whip, <laughs> whipping that through mid-wicket. <laughs> yeah. Things start to change then. Things start to change. Um, all right, let's get into uh, – do, do you want to keep going with the shield or should we uh, – Yeah, oh, yeah, sh- just yeah. shield quickly. Head yeah. 223. Yep. He, he tuned up for that 223, his first double ton, with uh, a, a grade 100 the week before where he said, I I just found oh. my rhythm there. And he found his rhythm batting six. <laughs> This is a guy who's is, is near enough to mate, the Aussie test captaincy. The, the just, power of the baggy green. Mate, rocking into first grade the week yeah. before. I just want to know how yeah. it works. The same with Tim Payne opening bowling. It's like, mm. just, maybe was he had a look at the deck or something? Is it six? Yeah, probably six today for me, boys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no worries, Travis. <laughs> but must have worked. And maybe the guys who got him out for the 100 just went, well, obviously got him cheap. Yeah. 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 Uh, so he's hit 223 of 245 balls. And then Cam Green in reply to that, 165 not. Big man. Uh, South Australia almost won the game. Went down to the last ball. Last ball, yeah. Uh, but but South, um, WA just held on. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was, you got anything from that game? Hats of glue played? No, I don't mean that guy. Moses scored 100 as Moses. well. I think, I think Moses is actually pretty close. I think Moses is not And Moses might have batted away. five in South Africa. Yeah. I think he was really close to that side as yeah. well. He might have. He's had, he's had a great shield season as well. Yeah. Uh, and obviously won the big bash. Yep, and so yeah, Hanscom 100, and Conway got six far. Yeah, rolled sleeves up. Guys did things. Guys, guys did things. Guys did things in the <laughs> Australia don't play. Good players performed. Until um, post-vaccine. Oh, yeah, and just finally as well, people would have seen just after we published last week that there was a piece from Brad, Brad McNamara that came out in, in response to yeah, Steve right. Smith and uh, Marnus Labuschagne's behaviour, mm. uh, and Tim Payne, as it turned out as well. And um, so, so Brad's... Um, Buzzard's claim, and it's good to see him out there as a journalist. I think because he's quite a powerful, influential figure in Australian cricket. He presents the cricket to a lot of people, and he said that uh, it, it was not um, dissent or bad behaviour, um, but because they probably cared more, um, and also that he saw Alan Border do the same uh, once, and he was a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. He he went on to say, if you think it's poor behaviour that you need to get a grip snowflake, that you're part of the outrage brigade and a, that it's a woke reaction, and he's entitled to that view. I'll put it in culture terms. Sure. Uh, I know a lot of people would think that way. I just wanted to sort of point out that the notion that, that this woke idea mm-hmm. with this, like if you're defending, like if you're saying that the – like, like civility is quite traditional. Like, be, like behaving yourself is quite the traditional thing in cricket, right? You say that's the tradition, yeah, right? Yeah. So if you're sort of saying that people should be able to express themselves a bit more, that I would have thought that was a more recent phenomenon, and that was the woke position. You know, I think like, I think yeah. McNamara is saying that you know mm. you should be able to express yourself. That's mm. woke, mm. and I don't know how Buzz would feel about that um, label, but I, I sort of welcome it. I think players probably shouldn't carry on that much, but. Mm. But he also makes a good point that, like, if you if you are the angriest, that means you care the most and you want it more. We've been saying that for a long time. So we so even in different sides of the argument, you can yeah. agree with things. That guy that we played last week who chipped the ball in the air, now I got that wrong. I said it was um, it was the bowler saying fuck. It was the bat. 
of that. Uh, Fielder. Yeah. Fielder. Uh, Fielder got the catch. The, so, no, that's not what happened. So, I've got the, the, the screen. The Fielder took the catch. Oh. And the bat. It's oh, the, the bat. It's the batter saying. It's a, is it here? Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been anything. That was the batter. And so, this is what we didn't point out. And this is further to what McNamara is saying, which we're backing up. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's. Fuck! said that will probably earn him some points because it means he cares and it means his standards are higher. That's true. That's true. And so that's, um, you know, from from club cricket all the way through to Smith, Labuschagne, um, Payne, etc. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and we also invited um, Buzz onto the show to chat it, but no reply as of yet. Um, but we look forward to a reply because it would be great to chat with him. Colin Miller is coming up. If I can say his name correctly now, Pez, as you know, all of our gets this summer are brought to you by Ponting Wines. You can use the code GETAFEW at checkout for 10% off the price of a case. That's pontingwines.com.au. We've spoken many, many times about the quality of these whites and reds. Pontingwines.com.au. Use the code GETAFEW to get 10% off the price of a case. Highly recommend them, especially this time of year. Some celebratory reds and whites. For those flag winners, those flag bearers. Those eyebrows get up. Pottingwines.com.au. <laughs> NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. All right, here goes. We've been chasing this one for a while, for a long time. And it was actually just a speculative text message that I sent out that uh, just got responded to many, many months later. Uh, which seems in keeping with the spirit of the man that uh, I'm about to introduce. But first, let me provide some numbers. 18 test matches, 69 wickets at an average of 26 with the ball. A best of 5 for 32 and 10 for 113 there. Three fifers, 126 first-class matches, 446 wickets, 16 five-wicket hauls. A hell of a lot of cricket overseas as well, and including in Holland, which I'd mm. like to ask about. Mm. Talking about Colin Funky Miller, who joins us from Las Vegas mm. on The Grey Cricketer. Funky, welcome. <laughs> How you doing, guys? Nice to be with you. Nice to have you on too, mate. I, I don't think there's, well, there's actually nobody we've spoken to from cricket who tends to all be from the same places yeah. that would now be residing in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure it's normal for you, but it's a, a point of interest to us. So can you just quickly run through the Las Vegas circuit uh, before we get into the interview proper? Yeah, well, I got here because I'm married, I'm married American. And uh, my wife, Cindy, was um, living in Vegas. Uh, we actually met in London many, many years ago um, during, during an Ashes series. And then um, we did a long-distance thing for about eight years. And then um, she was working here. She had a really good job working for MGM, building a, a casino and a hotel. Um, it was just easier for me to pack up and, and move over here and let her do her thing. Mm. It's simple. Mm. You didn't want to do like the, uh, you know, the ex-test cricketer circuit from like, you know, the, the great side of the 2000s and just make comments every week on <laughs> why the current side isn't that good? Yeah. I did, I did it for a few years. Uh, <laughs> I, I, did, I did the talking circuit and the corporate circuit for about four or five years after I retired. But then um, I came here and got a real job. Yeah, nice one. Mm. Well, Funk, you know, we are called the great cricketer, so let's start there. I mean, you... You came through the ranks in the 80s, play, playing 80s grade cricket at Footscray. Mm. Uh, yep. Ray Bright, Tony Dottermade, Murph Hughes, 
you know, who would have been a towering figure there. Uh, and and I just know you took three years to progress from fours to ones. So, like, that's that's proper grade cricket pedigree mm. there. Can you just take us into, well, the circuit and the tubs, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so my dad was – I actually started at Sunshine Heights Cricket Club. So I'm, I'm, sunshine, I'm a sunshine boy. And then my dad coached me on the 12s and on the 14s and then – and in the 16th, he went to Footscray to be the junior coach, so I just followed him there. Uh, we had one year of under-16s. We won the premiership. Uh, I was playing fourth grade at the same time as playing the 16s. And then, um, yeah, as you said, it went from fourths to, to threes to twos to ones in, I think, as you say, three years, I believe you. Um, <laughs> I think I was 18 when I made my, my first grade debut for Footscray. Uh, you also played, you played club cricket in the UK as well. And mm-hmm. also in, the, in Holland. And then you got a Guernsey for the Netherlands as well. So, I mean, first of all, who did you play for in your club cricket? Um, was that just a big circuit? Uh, and uh, and how, did the, how did New Zealand, how, how did the Netherlands gig come about? Um, I, I played 10 years in the UK up in the leagues, Lancashire, yeah. and I'd had enough of that. And then uh, I, we were playing, Tassie were playing a game in Canberra against the Comets. And this long, white-bearded guy approached me after the game and said, hey, my name is uh, Heinz. I'm from the, the Netherlands. I, I'm the president of a cricket club. Would you like to come and play for us? They're called Roden Vitz, so red and white. Um, and I said, I've got nothing to do this winter, so why not? Um, it was it was an awesome time. It was only it was a really short season. It's only like 19 games, uh, one, and only on a Sunday, not like in England where you're bowling 50 hours in a weekend playing every Saturday and Sunday yeah. up in the league. So it was pretty easy. Uh, it was 97, 98, I think, when I first went there, and um, – it, and they paid me really well, which was really good too. Yeah. But it, it was funny playing over there because obviously marijuana is a big thing over there. And <laughs> I remember I was there. I was notoriously funny. The, the, mm. the club coach. And um, I went to watch our third team play one day. And there were a bunch of just like guys from uni just like to play a bit of cricket together, have a beer on the weekend. And we were chasing 130 and we were like seven for 25. And I'm looking down the row and every one of them has had a big joint in their mouth. Looking at us and I said to these guys, no wonder you guys can't win a game. I say, hey, we're have fun and leave us alone. <laughs> but it was, but the, the, first, the first grade cricket that, that I was playing in was actually really, really good cricket. Right. Did mm. that, that many joints going around there during the yeah. games as well? No, that was yeah. really – those guys actually took it pretty serious. And if you look at Dutch cricket now, you can see that was really the start of it around that era. We played on the old matting in those days, mm. and now most of the grounds are happening now are turf wickets, and they're, they're one of the better – Sort of next level down countries in the world. So that that guy Canberra Hines down in Canberra was he just was he scouting people? What, what was he doing yeah. in Canberra? Was he going to every player? Was he just going to Quest uh, he, War Memorial? He's actually Gandalf. a professor. He's a, um, a political professor, and he was actually based in. He was doing some sort of a six month tenure in in Canberra, um, and obviously loved his cricket. He'd been involved with Roden Vit for like thirty five years, and he just came out to watch a game of cricket, you know, by coincidence, and then saw me play. Uh, and then offered me a job, so I was happy to take it. Shit, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, it, it's funny, Colin, because as you sort of talk through your career, you often note that for a long time you had to uh, both play and then work at the end of the day, which I think is kind of tough for current cricketers mm. to understand. But you, you talk about a game against New South Wales where you bowl for, for an entire day from one end, you open the bowling, and then you come on and bowl, and then you, you switch to off spin, and then you're fit enough to go take the second new rock and bowl quickish again. And then at the end yep. of that day, you go and work at a bar till midnight. Fucking hell! But yeah. you, you bowled you, you bowled them out on that day, so it's okay. You didn't have to you didn't have to bowl the next day. That that was just what life was like. 
Yeah, I only bowled, I think, 51 overs that day. Okay. So it was just, just, a, yeah, just okay. a bit of a heavy day. But, you know, um, you know I, just, I poured beers at a local pub and I worked security and I used to give drinks away all night. I had fun there. <laughs> I worked there for about four or five years while I was in Tassie. Yeah. And, and it's so like, to, like the best, my best year in first-class cricket in Australia was about $37,000. Yeah. So you, you had to have a second job or go overseas in the winter if you weren't playing for your country mm. uh, to make ends meet. To be fair, you could buy two houses with that kind of money back in that back in those days. Uh, but I, t- I, t- <laughs> I wish I had it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Colin. Last week we were talking to uh, Marcus Harris, and he was saying that he was a bit of a late bloomer, despite him um, being the youngest ever Australian to score a uh, shield, 150 at age 18, and yeah. you broke into first grade at the same age. Um, but but I understand that you sort of you took up off spin after just like having a bit of an ankle injury or something. So, but you and then. You, when that happened, and you sort of exploded, right? So, I mean, this all happened quite quickly. So, you were genuinely a bit of a late bloomer. Uh, late bloomer, as far as you know, I wasted thirteen years bowling medium pace out to me. Did bowl spin a lot earlier? Um, yeah, I, I, I hurt my ankle in Tasmania just the night before a one day game up there, and uh, couldn't. I, I think I ended up missing that game. And but I was playing, and for Lindisfarne was my club team there. Mm. They were first year in the in the competition of, of club cricket in Hobart, and. I was the paid player and I was getting like, I think, 100 bucks a week or something like that. So I felt obliged to play and I'd, I'd bowl spin. And I'd always bowl spin my whole life, mm. just never in a game before. I'd just sit in the nets and when I was practicing on my own. Um, so I knew I could do it. It was just a matter of someone letting me do it in a game. Mm. We've spoken to a few people who um, have played a lot of cricket with you, Colin. And one thing that was passed on was that, and this may or not be right, but like the, the first time you bowled off spin for Tasmania, was in 96, this is what the claim is, it was 96, 97, again, at the Gabba against Queensland, and your first dismissal is, uh, we, you end up taking the wickets of Matthew Hayden and Stuart Law bowling off spin for the first time <laughs> in first-class cricket. You get Haydos out, who, who admittedly had 230 at the time. He's stumped, and I'm not sure if you picked this up, but he was so um, surprised that he was out that he actually just took guard again and kept batting, although, <laughs> although the umpire had given him out. Uh, is, is, that, is that close to the truth? That's a very true story. I'm not sure he was 230, but, I mean, he might have been close to that. Yeah. He scored a lot of – and in, in the years I played against Haydos, he scored a lot of runs against us. Every team I played for against Queensland, uh, Haydos murdered us all the time. Yeah, hey, uh, I, I, I noticed that, um, obviously, with your dual skills in the bowling department, you know, medium pace and, uh, and offies, I wonder if we'll ever see a player like that again in, in the modern era, especially in Australia where it seems like you've got to be good at one thing. We're even mm. sort of reticent to, to go with your own, though they've obviously found Cameron Green now. But but I remember um, Nathan Bracken towards the back end of his career, he started to bowl left-arm um, orthodox spin in the nets apparently, and he was trying to convince Dom Thornley, who was the captain at the time, who also bowled medium pace and offies, um, to, to, to get a go in the games, but um, he never got that opportunity. So I, I wonder if we'll ever see that again of what you achieved to actually bowl – Medium pace and off spin, actually in the same over. In fact, you got um, Sinclair out from New Zealand bowling mm. that bowling off spin, but bowling medium pace to Stephen Fleming. Well, I did see highlights of Tim Payne playing club cricket this week in Hobart, <laughs> bowling medium pace and spin. So there it is. The Australian captain's doing it now. Um, I think I think I'm surprised with 2020 cricket that no one's doing it at the moment, or there's not a lot of people doing it because yeah. you, you're about four overs. So why not buy old two of each of three, one, one, or the other? The same as it's basically like switch hitting for batters now. They're allowed to do that, so why can't bowlers do it? And mm. and spin in, in, in the T20 game is really the dominant force most of the time. 
just the quicks are getting belted around. So spinners are taking most of the wickets. Mm. Mm. Colin, um, you took 67 wickets in a Shield season. You beat Chuck Fleetwood Smith's record. 40 wickets of me- on medium pace, 27 of off spin, and then it's not long before you're in the test side. Can you just give us the experience of uh, walking into the room of those all-time greats? Uh, just remember that Chuck Fleetwood Smith got his in five games. That's <laughs> <laughs> sort of wickets. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, one thing I used to say when I was talking to people in Australia after I retired was if you ever get the opportunity to play cricket for Australia, take it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good fun. Um, I mean, every kid in Australia grows up wanting to play cricket for Australia. And the, the, the greatest thing I think now is I used to say every boy in Australia, but the great thing is now that women's cricket has taken off so much now that every kid in Australia can have that same dream. And it is the best fun you can do. I mean, um, my, my, I'm from a cricketing family. My dad played cricket. My older brother was a fast bowler. My, my grandfather and my uncles all played cricket. So for me to take that step through great cricket and just to play first-class cricket was awesome because no one in my family played first-class cricket at that stage or yet. And then to get to the next stage and get to play for your country, um, the, the, you can't do anything better in Australian sport, I don't think. Yeah. Hey, I, w- I want to ask you about uh, – we've got a go- on good authority uh, from one of your test former teammates that um, – that the dynamic between Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath was very strange because basically, like McGrath, like Warne just couldn't figure McGrath out. So you walk into like that dressing room and there's like it's it's probably the strongest Australian team has ever been. Yeah. Um, and and then there's two greats who were sitting with each other, Warne and McGrath. I mean, what was that dynamic like off the field? Are you talking to Flemo? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't Flemo. No, he's not your source. No, okay. Um, no, walking to that team is awesome. And I get asked this question a lot, what was it like because I'm a new guy in the team? But, you know, I've been playing for 13 years of first-class cricket. Yeah. So I knew all these guys pretty well back in the day when Australian players played first-class cricket as well. Yeah, in the yeah. States. Really? yeah. And their clubs, the guys here as well. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, 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 team four superstars in that dressing room, the War Brothers, uh, Ian Healy at the time, Mark Taylor when I first went in there. Uh, McGrath, Gillespie, Warren, I mean, all these guys to me were superstars and I was older than all of them mm. together. Mm. But um, but I looked up to anyone that played cricket for Australia because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of sport to start with and I'm a, definitely a fan of cricket. Yeah. Um, that, that tension was never in the change rooms. You, know, you don't win as many test matches as we did in that four-year period that I was playing if you have tension in the change rooms. And it's not expected that everyone in the team likes each other. I think the misconception is that if you're a really good team, everyone in the team loves each other. Mm. Let's look at any sport in the world and you'll find there's one or two outcasts or two or three guys that maybe don't agree on, them on, on their politics or on their personal way they live their life. It doesn't matter what team you're in. What matters is when you're on the field. And when we were on the field, we were the best team in the world by a country mile. Mm. Mm. You played. You played some amazing series as well. I've seen some great footage of Roblinder two clips, which I'm sure you've seen as well, Funky. Mm. You know of um of you absolutely smashing Kirtley Ambrose for two sixes out of the stadium in the West Indies. I mean, do you reckon Kirtley was a bit overrated? Oh, definitely. At that time of his career, he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. I get sent that video probably once a month, really? even to, to today. I got sent it like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, um, people write it to me and say, "Have you seen this video of you playing cricket?" Go, yeah. <laughs> That was me. I can remember it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was there. I've got like 14 versions of it and it's locked in my computer. Um, <laughs> that, that was, I had some, that's one of the great memories. You know, you, as a bowler, you expect to get wickets, but I wasn't really expecting to get a lot of runs then. Yeah. 
and that wicket in Antigua was pretty flat, and you just knew where it bounced how high it was going to how high it was going to come up on your body. So uh, I took a few deep breaths and swung the bat a couple of times and yeah. and got it pretty clean. Yeah. <laughs> and as you and you, you are correct, you didn't just go over the boundary and over the fence; it actually went over the grandstands into the street. Yeah, mm. that massive. Yeah, yeah. it's uh. A lot of people understand you as a little bit of an enigma, Colin. I, I didn't attach this to the question I had before, um, but it is connected. So it, it's been suggested that after the 67 wickets you did get in Shield cricket, you actually commemorated that um, physically. Uh, but but I'm not sure if many people know that. I mean, is that is is this for public? Um, is this for public consumption? How, how you actually have kind of commemorated that record-breaking um, season or? Well, I also I also got three wickets against South Africa in a first class game, oh. so it ended up being seventy. Right. Yeah. Okay. You say you chips now? I mean, you know, that's a chip. <laughs> so I got I got a tattoo on my ass. Um, with sixty seven on the top. And in the old days, in the Herald Sun, they used to have a, the cricket scores in the paper, and the photo they used was a set of stumps with the bales flying in the air. So I stole that, put that in the middle, and then put my seventy underneath. <laughs> on the left cheek. Left cheek, left cheek, left Flat, cheek. and I've just got here flashing it around on the uh, at an Irish bar. <laughs> I have been known to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, have to obviously have to ask you. Colin. And they probably told you me wearing a G string as well. Maybe you've been talking to. Nope. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you must have answered this. I told this story a million times, Colin, but I, I have to ask. Uh, you know, the, the blue hair at the SCG, 2001, West Indies. Uh, Courtney Walsh pulls away. He's laughing with Steve Waugh. Perhaps the only time Steve Waugh's ever I've laughed. I've seen Steve Waugh laugh. Yeah, even on a field, off a field, whatever. Just mm. he, was, he was genuinely laughing. But I'm sure you've told this story a million times. And, uh, but I want to know, like, what the reaction was from the boys in the dressing room. Like, what happened to the Australian team when you rolled in? Because I understand it was like you were sort of angry about not being picked in the ODI squad, um, the 14-man ODI squad that, that summer after you had you won Test Player of the Year in 2001. Mm. Telling you things you already know, and uh, but I mean, what 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 what's the reaction when you walk into that dressing room with the SCG blue hair? And what's Mark War saying? It isn't really a reaction because if you've heard me tell a story before, I hit it really well. Uh. Like I wore my I wore my white floppy on the bus. I had my traction on it. The collar turned up like this. My hair was only the same length as this now, but not much longer. Yeah. So once you got your sunglasses on and a hat, no one could really see my hair. Uh. It was really honestly for most of the guys when I took the hat off on the ground. Was probably the first time they see my blue hair that morning. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I can't, can I ask you as well? Like, because we, we sort of listed your achievements here. Uh, incredible cricketer. Mm. I mean, eighteen Test matches, record-breaking Shield season, averaging twenty-six in Test cricket. And I think for a lot of people, it's like oh, have blue hair once. Do you know what I mean? Do you, do you, do you feel like it's actually a, you know? I see a lot of guys in the big bash who um, don't wear caps in the field because they want to get their face out there on TV or, you know, new hairstyles or a bit of bling or whatever. Is it a great marketing PR play from you to have the blue hair to be, like, sort of memorialised in that capacity? Or do you think it might even diminish a bit from what you actually achieved in the game? Um, good question because it, it was something I did consciously mm. um, to have fun. Mm. Um, Brian Murgatoyd, who was our media manager at the time, nearly had a heart attack and he saw the blue hair because... <laughs> He was one going to have to answer the press while I was out on the ground, <laughs> and he was the one to come up with the Australian Australia Day Blue. Um, he was his idea to call it that. Yeah. Um, I, I it was I made it very clear in the media that it was I wasn't taking the piss out of the game. Yeah. It was just me being Colin Miller. I had a ring earring in my ear at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I was thirty for five years old, and I'm a young guy who just likes life, and mm. I, I never insulted the game of cricket. I made sure I never did that, and I had members at the SCG that day. 
uh, who'd obviously been members for 30, 40, 50 years, um, come up to me and say, hey, we like your hair. It's good fun. We understand why you did it. Oh, my God, mm. yeah. Mm. I was just got trying to think of who cool. who wouldn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's iconic, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's funny, Cole, because you're um, – I'll call you Cole. You're, <laughs> you can call me anything you like. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> Test player of the year, 2001. Uh, you've gone back to Victoria a little bit earlier than that. And then, it I mean, just reading about it, it just seems there's a really abrupt end to that um, to the test career on account of, what, Cameron White bowling leggies or something like that? I mean, it can't, I mean, can you just run us through the, the closing chapter a little bit as well? Because going back over your career, you just you had stunning success for Australia and a very, very good side as an outstanding cricketer of multi-discipline. Um, but you've gone back to Victoria and they've wanted to go with the bear. I mean, what, what's, what, what happened? Um, so I, at, at the time I had a Dutch girlfriend um, and she was going to move to Australia and I, I was thinking like Amsterdam to Hobart or Amsterdam to Melbourne. Mm. Um, and I just thought Hobart would be a bit too small of a city for her. Mm. Um, so I thought Melbourne was a, but it was a better choice. So that was really the reason that I moved back to Victoria for that. Um, bad decision in the long run because I'm now married to an American girl. So it didn't work out too well. <laughs> but um, that's all it was. And, yeah, and Cameron White was the gun. Whitey was the, the young kid coming through. They they needed to fit him in the team somehow. Remember, back in those days, he was really a bowler who could bat a little bit. It, it ended up flipping two or three years later to become a batsman who hardly ever bowled. Um, but it was really disappointing. I, I know in my own mind, if I had a state in Tasmania, I could have played another three or four years maybe. I, I had tenure there and I was still doing pretty well down there. Mm. But, you know, when, when, you, when you're when told you've got to retire, you know, you have to, there's two people that you either retire on your own on your own um, decision or you get told you're going to retire. I was told I was going to retire. Right. Um, but at the same time, I was a gym junkie. I loved going to the gym. And then once it, for six months after I stopped playing cricket, I went to the gym every morning at 6 a.m. You know what it did for the last 15 years. And then about one morning I was, I was bench pressing there doing like, Pressing 240 pounds, and I thought, what, am I, what the hell am I doing in the gym? I mean, I'm going to retire for six months. And I realised that I, I, I didn't enjoy playing club cricket anymore back before I, before I was told I was going to retire. I didn't want to play first-class cricket. I just wanted to play for Australia. And, and you can't think like that. So mentally, I was. I realised six months later, that I, back then I was I was done. Um, physically, I could have played another three or four years, but mentally, I know now that when they when they let me go, that it was probably the right time to do that. Mm. Obviously, living in Vegas now, I understand that America is actually the third biggest market for cricket in the world. So, I mean, any 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 danger of funky rolling down to the Las Vegas strip nets and rolling out a couple of offies? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, when, I fir- when I first arrived here, so I've been here for almost 13 and a half years now. Okay. And um, – we, my wife and I lived in, in a town in a suburb called Summerlin and I was at the house one day she was at work just before I could start working and um, there was a knock on the door and I didn't know whether to answer the door knock because I mean, I'd been living there for like three weeks mm. and I didn't answer it and there's four Indian guys were at the door and they walked away and I found out later that they were from the local cricket association in Las Vegas they found out somehow where I lived in Las Vegas God. and they were coming to try to get me to play cricket for them. <laughs> and then a few years later, which was never eventuated because we only had four teams here from what I understand and now I think all those all four teams are now disbanded. And then I got offered uh, a position to coach the American men's team and that's probably seven or eight years ago now. But it was a, in a period of time when US cricket was in disarray. Um, 
they were there was accusations of corruption going on and all sorts of other stuff. So, right. I mean, as I say, I work for a living. So to give up work to go and work for an association that was no guarantee that I ever get paid um, wasn't going to be a good decision. So that was my last sort of foray into any sort of cricket. Mm. Um, now I just read the Australian papers in the morning and read a quick info and see what's mm. happening in the world. Mm. How um when you look back on your career now, I mean, how do you kind of appreciate how finite and precious the career is? Because I know I know you got picked in the ODI squad. It was it going to Kenya, and yes. and you tore your calf, and then that was yeah. kind of the only chance that you would have had, as it turned out. I mean, that's such a one one to a one window. I mean, it's not just you. We see this with all the guys all the time. Guys like Callum Ferguson or um you know Doolan or whatever. You know, guys who just get one chance. Or Aaron Finch opening the batting in Test matches has to play against Boomerah without Smith and Warner. You know, just like all these examples over the history. Do you sort of appreciate it now, or did you think at the time just like, oh, this is my one and only chance of getting a crack at this? I, I knew at the time it was my one and only chance, and, and I, I I don't know for a fact, but I'm ninety nine percent sure it was Steve Ball that got me on that in that team. Mm. Uh, he knew how keen I was to play one day cricket, and I think they thought the tour in Kenya would have been up. A good opportunity to give me that opportunity. Mm. Uh, and then it was just, we were playing, just running around the basketball court in Victoria pre-season training. Uh, and I just tweaked my calf. And it didn't feel that bad at the time, but it took about eight weeks to, to heal. Mm. Um, it just didn't come good. So that's why I missed that too. I, I was almost on the plane. I was literally probably, if I had gotten the plane and had maybe two more days treatment in Kenya, I would have been able to play the first game. Mm. But you, you, you couldn't guarantee that. So that's why I missed that. The Cricket Australia, the the girl that worked in the office looked after the team, offered me my shirt mm. um, about two weeks later, but I just couldn't take it. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I, I never got it. Yeah. Speaking of uh, tours, I mean, a, a happier memory would have been your first test wicket in Royal Pindi against Pakistan, and, and it was the wicket of Salim Malik. Um, yeah, can, can you just surprise. <laughs> That's all I was looking for, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can, 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 you, yeah. can you run us through Salim as your uh, first test? Yeah, there's a, a, a half volley outswinger that almost missed the pitch that he managed to reach and nick to Mark. I think Mark, Mark wore it second slip. It took a pretty good pass low down. I'm the, I think fifth ball in the first over. So what are the odds of that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> can you, oh, do you have any recollection of, I mean, First test wickets, obviously, extremely special moment. I think it was right in the middle of that era where they were just trying to rub everyone's head off uh, when you were <laughs> celebrating in the huddle. Like, what, what what's the what's the Aussie huddle look like at Royal Pindi after someone gets Salim Malik out? You know, when you're in the huddle, uh, hot and sweaty. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was fantastic. Mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's one of the few memories I have of cricket. Is my first test wicket. I can see it right now, just talking about it. Um, it it's to, just to get one wicket. Like, like you'll hear guys who've played one test say, hey, I played one test. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. Just to get one wicket would have been fantastic for me because that would have been one up on my brother. He never played cricket for Australia. He never got a test cricket. That's <laughs> uh, my older brother. So, And just all my mates who never played test cricket as well. That would have been one up on them. So yeah. just to get that one wicket was awesome. But um, to, to, for it to be the, the, the Pakistani captain and to be someone like, yeah. So it helps it stick in your mind a little bit more. Nice. Plus, you must have got like ten grand for getting the wicket as well, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's probably probably pretty small odds. There. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to the stories back in those days, and there's Lamborghinis and Ferraris driving all over the place. <laughs> is that? Yeah. I mean, did, did you experience any of that, like being over or on any tour? Yeah, like, is that it, is that yeah. how it rolls? Yeah. Well, in in, uh, in India. We were playing, I think, the second test. We were in Mumbai, if I'm, if I'm correct. And um, we were, the resort we were staying at, the hotel we were staying at, 
um, there was a, a bar on the rooftop bar, like on the top floor, and there would be a band there a couple of nights a week, and you could go up there. And it's one of the few places we could go and have a drink and relax. Um, and I was up there one night just having a drink, uh, having a couple of scotches, and uh, this Indian guy sat down. He's a young guy, really well-dressed, beautiful suit on, started talking about life and what are you going to do when you finish playing cricket and I'm you know, talking about this and that. And he said, well, you could probably help you with that. If you need any help, you know, let us know. We can help you out. So that was pretty suspicious and I sort of let that one ride. And then about a week later, early in the morning, um, I got a phone call in my room and it was all Mr. Miller, you're my favourite cricketer. <laughs> um, and it was in the test match I was playing, so it was the last test. Um, he said, when you bowl tomorrow, are you going to bowl off spin first or are you going to bowl medium pace first? What number are you batting? Where do you think you're going to be fielding? And I thought, hang on, this is a bit suspicious. Hey, I've got to go, mate. And then we were all trained in those days. You've got to report that sort of stuff immediately too. Yeah. So um, reported to the team manager and then you got to sit down and fill out these forms. Uh, and sitting next to me was um, Adam Gilchrist and uh, and the coach. Yeah. So they'd all we'd all been approached the same morning by probably the same guy trying to get information from the team. Yeah. Yeah. And India won with two weeks of spin. Uh, so, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just hey, if, I, if, if I knew it was going to be my last test, I might have around. Yeah, and then you moved to Vegas. That's interesting, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very generous. Uh, we'll, we'll let you get back to Vegas. Colin, thanks so much for joining us, mate. We'll catch up with you soon. Hey, pleasure, guys. It's, it's Wednesday night here. I'm going to have a Johnny Walker now. Nice. <laughs> If it weren't for our dearest and closest personal friends at Budgie Smuggler, who have supported this show for a number of years now and continue to do so with vigor and with hope in their heart. Yes. As people think Budgie Smugglers, they, they think swimwear. They think dick stickers. They think stuff to cover your junk. On the sporting field, in the ocean, in the bedroom. I don't know. Oh. I haven't included that before, but I just thought I might. But there's more than that. There's paraphernalia coming out their ears. You can do jumpers, T-shirts, bucket hats, Face masks. Everything's there. We've spoken many times about custom masks. We've spoken about custom designs on all of their paraphernalia, budgies, face masks, etc. It's all there. And you can all get it at budgiesmuggler.com.au. And you know, and just he goes, just quickly, I went for a swim over the weekend. Lovely. Miss? Yeah. <laughs> get a few laps, did you? Yeah, I get a little swimming, did you? And I noticed that uh, I was in the fast lane, and I'm not a fast swimmer. And in fact, you're a very good swimmer. We haven't even talked about this. We talked about this. You got a background. You got a background in swimming. Yeah, kept it kept it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I kept that real close to me. No, chest. You did, no, yeah. you you were a very good swimmer as a. I uh, swam yeah. as a as a junior. How hard you go? Uh did 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 some did some stuff. Bit yeah. of national stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, actually, cricket got in the way because cricket was my love. Yeah, so but I you, started... you you swam in the nationals yep. as a junior. Yeah, and you gave it up to play highest level. You gave it up to play grade cricket. That's right. That's right. Well, I stopped you, so when I was uh, stopped when I was thirteen or fourteen. One of the two. More talent as a swimmer or a cricketer? Swim. I had better genetics for a swimmer at that age because I, I always had like broad shoulders, so there's mm. just an advantage there. Yeah. Um, but cricket was always my love. I was also probably a better soccer player than I was a cricket player. Really? But again, like no, it was just the optics. I reckon if like if if Premier League, for instance, was like as big as what it is now, like as accessible in in Australia now as what it is, then um, you then mean just raw talent? Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. But cricket was always like it was all wrapped up in fucking family stuff, dad stuff. Like dad never dad dad never popped on the NSL. Yes. he was always watching Alan Border. Yeah, I also came like when I was when Ian Thorpe 
How old was Ian Thorpe at the Olympics, the Sydney Olympics? 16, 15? No, was, it was old because he was world champion at 15. That's okay. that famous uh, thing. Yeah, I okay. think that was 98. So, so I stopped when 16, I was 13 17. or 14, and I wasn't that close to world champion, so I was a bit mm. like, well, what's the point here? Because of Thorpe. Brute, yeah. Brute. Thorpe's dad played Shield cricket. <laughs> That's right. For WA. Yeah, he did, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I probably had, yeah. yeah. Best swimmer. Probably, just, probably. just the black line, eh? Mate, brutal sport. Like yeah. fucking, sl- in terms of slugging it out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, fucking about the cricket. Yeah, real sweet right there. Does it help you rig swimming? Uh not really. Oh, well, I guess it's, it's cardiovascular exercise. Mm. Any any sort of exercise, mm. exercise, mm. and access okay. to exercise helps. Heard so, that one. Um, well, I was I was getting I was getting taken over by some old bloke who was quite quick in the pool yesterday. And he oh, had boys spe- love a swim. Don't he they? had speedos on. I just because I, I thought, oh, they're quite. That's quite. Colourful swimwear, and I'm probably not allowed to mention that brand. You know, no, you literally be, yeah. a budgie smuggler advertisement. Yeah. Well, this is last episode, but I, well, it was a compliment to budgie. I thought because normally when I th- think of that brand, it's mm. just black and just you see the yeah, you yeah, see yeah. the writing on it. Yeah. But it was a colourful design. I thought budgies made them do that. Yeah, interesting. Because I was wearing my watermelon budgies, nice and watermelons on them, nice. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Old boys love a swim, don't they? Are you, are you, is this ocean swimming or are you? No, no, it was just it was just a lap pool. Took the boys out, yeah, took okay. the boys in, and stuff like that. It was it was a good pool. It was playing um, it was playing sort of nineties uh, R and B and soul. Fuck it was yeah, nice. it was really good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah, you know when you see, and I've actually, and then Shania Twain came on. If you're not in it for love, I'm out of here. But I was sort of into <laughs> it. <laughs> if you're not, what you said, out of here. Like, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> All right, get, get out of here. Get out of here. Like a dog. Yeah, exactly. Out of here. Out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't spent much time at the beach since moving down to Melbourne, but um, you know, <laughs> not much to go to. No, nah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, in Sydney, like you just see old boys in the morning at like five a.m. in the winter, just like yeah. out fucking way out the back. Yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck are you worship, doing? Worship, worship. Yeah, yeah. It's one a, of my fears. It's a way be, of life would be taken by a shark. Oh yeah, decent mm. fear. Decent fear. Yeah, decent fear. I haven't well, come across, haven't come across any sharks, if I'm honest. Said a Greg Norman, or in business. <laughs> <laughs> Budgie smuggler. Dot com. Use the code CHAMP for free shipping. Uh, Pez, our dear friends, Manscaped are back, who we love and adore. Now, what story have you got for me this week? Oh, what story? <laughs> I mean, I've been doing some scaping. Yeah, good. I've been scaping. Tis which, the I, which I have to. Tis the you know? season. Yeah. Actually, a friend of mine told me the other day that he uh, got a hair transplant. Oh, yeah? Now, that's not a Manscaped product. Yeah, okay. But it just goes to show that... Uh, and then I was asked whether I would have done the same. Mm. No. I went early, twenty two, yeah, okay. etc. So, like, I went to Ashley and Martin, and and I just remember the guy said he put a mirror over the top of my head as he walked behind it. I sat there, and he said, <laughs> so I could see the top of my head, and he said, "See horseshoe." <laughs> before, uh, before. Uh, you know, wispy dying hair, yeah, sure. limp, limp yeah, hair. See sure. horseshoe yeah. before offering me a uh, a variety of shampoos and yeah, tablets yeah, yeah, for yeah, seventy dollars yeah. a week. Yeah, some at age twenty two or twenty one. Run out of no, carrots. Gonna... <laughs> oh, fuck. If only it was carrots to save. Mate, can we? I know this is a manscaped ad, and we, yeah, we're, we're starting to talk about. I know, hair. but like, can we talk about the Ashley Martin ads with the blokes with the oh, with the genetically mate. best, like best genetic salads you've ever well, seen in your life. And it's like, oh yeah, when I here was my moment when I you've never considered being bald Mate, except when you were applying as the actor to offensive. go to this ad. It's it, offensive. It's, it's offensive. Well, you don't know it's offensive because you've got a good salad, right? It's okay. Yeah. It's a, you've got a good salad, right? Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> 
I had some good years. Yeah. 16 or 20. See, horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was, yeah, it was male patterned balding. Right, but, uh, okay. Yeah, those guys in the Ashley and Martin ads. They can get in the bin. They, they don't just have middling hair. No. They have outstanding, outstanding hair, hair. Outstanding genetically gifted yeah. salads. Yeah. They're, they're, um, they're, what do you call that? I should know. The, the widow's peak. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Mate, that, that hairline goes down to the chest. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. they have to shave that. Mm. So, yeah, that's, I find that, I find that quite offensive. And so it's all about like hair maintenance, care. And in this day and age, now we've spoken in the past, Pez, about like if you haven't got this product, if you haven't got Manscaped yet, you're doing yourself a it's disservice. Changed, it's changed my life, you know. I mean, as a bald guy, mm-hmm. look, I, I accepted it and got out of there. I was like, it's gone. I'm going to do it. I don't want to look in the mirror every day worrying about my hair. It's like, it's gone. It, it's, and with baldness, because it's male pattern balding, it's a, it sort of felt like fate. It was like, well, this is, you know, this is what the gods had in, you know, for me. Yeah. It's what Dada wanted. Exactly. It's what, it's what Big Dada <laughs> and Sarah Ganguly wanted. Also, maybe I shampooed and conditioned it too much or something because it's not on either side of my family. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is a separate issue. So, but I do grow hair on my face. Right. You know, the brows get a bit and yep. I, I am, I can be quite hairy yeah, in right. other spots. Yeah. And Manscaped has given me the opportunity to sculpt my hair mm. that doesn't exist on my head. Mm. And uh, through a range of products. Would you say it's giving you your confidence back? No, in no way. <laughs> in fact, the other night, the other night, I went to a, um, I went to a dinner for another a gig that I do, and it was full of like really fabulous people, fabulous like you know people in comms and PR and stuff. Yeah. And a, a friend of mine was there, and I thought I'd stitch her up because she was talking about a guy over in the corner, and she was pointing him out, and I could see that she was pointing to a bald guy, mm. and I said, "Oh, which guy?" Over there, and she goes, hey. the bald guy. So, oh, okay, is that his d- defining physical characteristic? Because <laughs> when you're bald, that's what you become. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter what you are, yeah. like, what you could have. Like, you could have yeah. a massive, like, I'd say, take your rig at its best. Mm-hmm. If you were bald, mm. you'd be the bald guy. Bald guy. Yeah. It doesn't matter. How, it wouldn't be like the guy with a good rig. Mm. Anyway, uh, Manscaped, um, you can get the lawnmower 3.0 and you can basically <laughs> shave your pubes. And it doesn't hurt. <laughs> your That's balls. Basically it. That's basically your it. balls, your pubes. You've got all these other products that make them smell good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's quite fun to do. And um, it's a treat for yourself and your partner. Tra- and, and you can get all these other tools as well that come within the lawnmower 3.0, the perfect package where you can actually do You can get the uh, the nose trimmer, nose stuff trimmer. for your ear. You can just make sure you no hair's out of place. You can have your hairs wherever you want it to be if they grow. Because we know our demographic who listen to this show, watch yeah. the show. We've seen the demographics. And, and I will be ridiculed for this, but I also know deep down this is the way blokes operate. Mm. It'll be listened to. Mm. It's like I might have a look at that manscape. I want to actually shave they, Well, like, they are. They so are. How have you de- de- debased yourself like this to talk about your ball If you know about manscape and you're not getting around it, yeah. get in the bin. Yeah. Fuck out of here. Are there other products? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that if you want the lawnmower 3.0, with all the products that come with, all the bells and whistles that come with it, yeah. or just the weed whacker mm. to get in around your pubes and your balls and stuff like that, yeah. uh, you can you can do that at manscaped.com. Use the code TGC, get 20% off and free shipping. I don't know. It's just an offer. It, take it or leave it. Hashtag <laughs> TGC. Um, okay, we promised ourselves we wouldn't go long, and here we are. And it's the longest show possibly ever. Daniel Ferguson. With your insistence that the relentlessly nice Kiwis are hiding skeletons, it got me thinking about playing Auckland club cricket against Black Caps batsman Glenn Phillips. Here we go. 
At only 14 years old and comfortably the best player on the park, Phillips had us chasing leather to all parts, completely ignoring our sledges about why he had all his best scores written on the back of his bat. Wow. Our opening quick, who was objectively a shit bloke, studying to be an early childhood teacher, of course, came in off his normal run, sped through his action, and promptly man-catted Phillips while vigorously appealing. <laughs> As the umpire sheepishly raised the finger, our quick started laughing and gesturing at the 14-year-old Phillips gleefully. Grim. Melting down at, at, at the injustice, Glenn then proceeded to run full clip from the field, flinging Kit off once he'd passed the boundary. He continued his run past his teammates on the boundary and off into the distance with his, with him, with his mum running after him. In the huddle, our captain insisted he would have called him back had he not legged it off the ground so quickly before he could withdraw the appeal. I do not believe him. Is this even really a skeleton? Am I just looking for TJC's absolution as a complicit third party? Should he have just stayed in his crease? Question mark. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Little insight there. Little insight. Look well, it helps paint the picture. Yeah, it helps paint the picture of New Zealand cricket. Now, look, this this could also be unfair because we've just read basically an unverified story. About I've a seen all I player. need to see. Anybody could write in about a, a professional player's behaviour as a child, have. and we haven't d- double checked it. No. You could just make anything up if you've got an enemy. Or whatever. Please, please and if it's right funny in. and creative, we'll read it. So I suppose it should come with a caveat that we haven't checked it. Yeah, you suppose it may not it be should. true. Well, it could just be, you know, kids got a creative mind. Maybe we make mum and daddy a lot of money someday. Yeah. But we all know that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, he's run off, his mum's after him. It's all pretty good. It yeah. all, all pretty much fits the bill of mm-hmm. stuff going on in New Zealand cricket. Now, do you th- I, what I like about it, is when he ran off the field and started to strip his pads off and just throw a kid everywhere. I noticed that Aaron Finch during his um, uh, exit from the game, oh. the, the second game, that he kept his pads on. And I saw images yeah. in like the 12th over. He'd been out for about five or six overs at this point, and yeah. he still had his pads on. And then I saw a photo of him shaking hands with Cam Williamson after the game. I don't say pad. Pads are on. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's kept the pads on. Wow. That's, that, that's an angry man. That's... Um, that's that's sad. Oh, well, not no. It's not sad. <laughs> place for Australia. It's not too sad. Australia, yeah. yeah, but it, it, he's gone to a place where it's like uh, pads on, pads off. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Don't do anything anyway. I know he needs to be taken out, man. Yeah. At least he's not throwing him in the bin like a former Australian coach did to a to a batsman with his bat. Or I've heard some. I won't say his name, but I've heard other stories about guys flushing his pads down the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that, that that one, didn't I? I think I've said that before. There's actually, former, there's former, actually, former test bat gets out, leaving the ball, bowled, goes yeah. and has a shower, comes back, his bat's in the bin. Coach is standing by the bin, says, if you're not going to use it. <laughs> sure, I've said that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Didn't Mike, didn't we, t- we talked to Bevan, we talked to Michael Bevan, and he yeah. was saying like he used to shower and he's, he used to get out and he used to be so angry at himself, he used to shower and he's yeah. full kit. I don't think he volunteered that, but yeah. No, he did. He, uh, did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Like I hope he did now. <laughs> so I just I sometimes think about the sound of the of the shower water hitting your helmet into your ears. It'd be oh, quite yeah. loud. Tinny, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Nick Elliott writes in. What does he say? Boys! <laughs> Fuck, that was aggressive. 
Buck. I was listening to your last podcast about how England spinners are too symmetrical for their own good, and it got me thinking, what can we, and by we, I mean every nation that is in India, do to combat the Asian century? Ashwin has been playing Test cricket for 10 years, and still nobody of a Western persuasion has any fucking idea what he's really doing. Meanwhile, England and Australia are happy with copy-and-paste textbook spinners, most of whom look like the kind of blokes who ask for a top of lemonade in their lager to take the edge off. <laughs> Warren is excluded because he's a once-in-a-millennium case, but even successful bowlers Nathan Lyon and Graham Swan did do with inherently understandable processes. When I watch their highlights, I can see exactly what's happening. But if someone were to send me a link to a montage of Ashwin's best wickets, I wouldn't last two minutes before I shut down my laptop and switched off the electricity to the whole house in a state of confusion. (laughs) During the English summer, Sky Sports asked parents to send videos of their kids practicing in the nets so the regular commentators could give technical feedback yeah. live on air. Yeah. It made for wholesome viewing. Even Shane Warne and Stuart Broad got involved. But how the fuck is a little eight-year-old from the home counties repeatedly tickling plastic stumps placed ten yards away with looping full tosses going to survive once the Asian century is in full swing? <laughs> Even if that kid goes on to average 32 for Essex and gets called up for a test in Chennai in 2034, his existence will be rendered instantly meaningless when a descendant of MS Dhoni carts him for 20 four runs in and over before lunch on day one. (laughs) It's clear by now that exposure to Western constrictions at a young age reduces the chances of bowling like Ashram, Murali, etc. to absolute zero. So instead of Mike Latherton offering false encouragement with platitudes such as keep that leading arm high and accelerate through the crease, shouldn't we be encouraging young spinners to smash their own fingers (laughs) with hammers? In hope that their bones might heal in such a manner that allows them to bowl a delivery that looks vaguely illegal. (laughs) Shouldn't we be dislocating wrists and separating shoulders in search of freakish physiological advantages? If we're going to compete with India in the future, we need to produce a legion of spinners who defy biology. We need a few blokes who are regularly summoned to an ICC testing centre to examine the legality of their actions. The Anglospheric Coaching Manual gave us a decent couple of hundred years, but it's become obsolete. We need to meddle in some sacrificial stuff. What I'm asking is, is the Asian century inevitable and would I be better off making my peace with it now? Or do you think I'm onto something with the hammers and shit. <laughs> Cheers, Nick. <laughs> that last sentence is fucking perfect. Do you think I'm onto something with the hammers and shit? Cheers, Nick. I love the idea of watching a YouTube compilation of uh, Ashwin's best best wicket set in some fucking weird EDM. And him being so confused, he'd be like, oh, just fucking ripping sockets out the wall. Yeah. That's great. But yeah, he needs to come to peace with it. Absolutely. He needs to come to peace we with it. We all the Asian, do. The Asian century is here. And I also completely agree that we can't keep finding these guys who are like made in test tubes and just follow biology as, yeah. we, as we understand it. Charles, of, Charles Darwin's dead, bitch. Yeah. And We're so, find some new so shit. is Bradman's art of cricket. It's dead. I want to be really clear about this as well. Like, be really clear. They, they, well, pe- there might be a suggestion if you want to read it a certain way that, like, mm. um, that the Anglosphere needs to become weird or dismorphed or something like the Asian century, which could be read the wrong way. Uh, I, no, no one has a like a right to think that they're not weird in cricket. I mean, following cricket, the game is fucking weird. Yeah, you know, like like mm. it's our problem that we think the way Ashwin bowls is weird, or mm. that the way the ball moves over there is weird. That's that's a result of our own conventions and our own conditioning so i'm not saying that you got to get a hammer out and smash kids fingers like i'm not going to do that to my own sons i'm not going to smash their fingers with hammers okay but 
there's going to be a broader, like, sort of broader scope of how you teach them to bowl a ball, to deliver it, you know, because the old getting through the crease and getting that leading arm high, they ain't doing shit yeah. in India. And we're playing there for the next 300 years. Yeah. Okay, so there's got to be different ways of doing it, different ways of skinning that cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, so he's know, onto something with the hammers and shit as a concept. I like the idea that, like, didn't Morley have a defect in his elbow where he couldn't, he couldn't actually fully... Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Extend it. I, I, I that's no, that, that's right. Right, that's right. I don't know what the specifics were. And you see, like Bumrah has got a wang around when he releases it. You see yeah. on the side on angle yeah. with the front foot line that he's he like hyperextends his forearm. Yeah. So like that's the kind of that's the kind of genetic uh, manipulation that I'm looking to do. Well, or we need to reconstruct what our notion of like because we talk about world is at the SCG sitting next to Stark, Cummins, yeah. Hazelwood, or whatever. Go, oh, they're Eating too carrots. big. They're too big. It's it's, it's monsters. It's, yeah. it's too big. But yeah. maybe it's more. Like we need to reprogram our brains as to what it means to be like a genetic uh, genetically predisposed to succeed in cricket it's yeah. more of that sort of stuff it's more of the boomer stuff or the murally stuff or whatever yeah. mm. not just having big shoulders yeah you know not just being a big not just being you know massive yeah or, or, or big I don't know though that does help oh it always helps but that just helps more sort of socially that's what I mean socially that's, that yeah. sort of stuff yeah yeah, so. yeah I, I think there's plenty in it I think this is what, that's the way it's got to go I think playing weird is good weird is good Okay, weird is good. All right, let's just do one more, Pez. Okay, yeah. Hashtag RCDC from Pat. Dear Queen Elizabeth III and Ryan Higgs. Boys! Writing in today to confirm if something isn't quite right or if by early discovery I can prevent future illness. Is it a normal human cricketing trait for a man or woman to refuse to hold anything remotely spherical without tossing said object in the air and practicing a leg spinning variation? I caught myself practicing my wrongen as I elegantly spun my dinner buzzer Eat a bit of food, do you, mate? Mm. Walking towards the pub's bistro. Whilst I ended up dropping the buzzer, the fizz out of the hand was slightly more arousing than it should have been. Grabbing an apple out of the fruit bowl is always an easy one. Throwing it poetically up in the air, just like you envisage every magical leg break that you've never bowled. I know, right? Just normal human stuff. Now is where shit gets weird. As you boys have been riding the cricket dream train in recent months, this illness... That, that I have has crept into my sleep and has become a certain nightmare. The dream always takes place at my mate's wedding where I, for some reason, have been selected to be the ring bearer. I'm guessing most wedding rings are usually placed in a square box. However, in this dream, my mate, who has never played cricket in his life, happens to have chosen a Swing King KFC cricket ball to securely place this ring. Once again, just normal shit. As I'm walking down the aisle, I feel this urge to toss one up above the eye line, tempt the wife out of her crease with that dangerous fourth stump line, and watch her and her veil run past one. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she going to the ball? <laughs> <laughs> this habit I have unknowingly fizzing one has taken over. And before you know it, I'm pivoting over that front dog, ensuring maximum grip turn and bounce grip, turn, and bounce, and letting the ring fly through the air. Mid-flight, I turn to see my under-16's 16, under 16 coach in the crowd look on with disgust, saying, don't try that shit, mate, just bowl your best ball. As I watch on, the ball travels out of the aisle and into the crowd, aka the side net of weddings. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd's the side net of weddings. I'm embarrassed. I've ruined my mate's best day of his life. And why the fuck am I in full kit every time I have this completely normal dream? So my question is, how many overs should I give myself this weekend considering I bat three and haven't bowled all season? Sincerely, Pat. Yes. We'll have to send this to our psychological scientists. Mm. Well, the only thing that really... Well, lots of things stuck out to me. Yeah, a few Great metaphor. Yeah. That's a pretty pretty obscure connection mm. between something and cricket. And I commend... Uh, 
Pat for it. Yeah. Uh, just the one where he's um, spinning the buzzer to himself yeah, in a restaurant. Really a buzzer's a kind of like that's some pretty good uh, control. Like a, a like a phone. Yeah, yeah like a bit longer you, than a phone. Yeah, I mean, he says it's roughly spherical object, but as he's spinning that, like that's. Uh, so you're you're going you're going ring and ring and pinky finger to spin that. That's, I mean, he's bowling leggies, isn't he? Yeah, so, like, so, yeah. so he's doing that. So it's, yeah. can I just have that phone? See? So what's he doing? He's like, it's got. he's got to have a big mitt, I guess. Yeah, how the hands on, on Pat? How's he? I, can't, I guess that's all right. I guess he can it's do pretty, it. Yeah. But to get the fizz. Yeah. There is something sp- very satiating about, like, the f- the fizz you get out of the ball. And, like, it clicks. You get yeah. that, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember reading a cricket ball once, or maybe it was Ashley Mallard or something. It was like, uh, every time you eat a piece of fruit, you know, an orange or an apple, <laughs> um, spun 50 times, always tastes better. Now, I don't think that's true. You're probably going to bruise it. Yeah, he seemed like a normal bloke. It's pretty hard to rip a cricket ball or any spherical object, like from one hand to the other, without it just basically sticking in the hand and hitting the ground on the third or fourth go, even for like experts, you know, just going, just fizzing it. So I, yeah. I'm just thinking, Pat. Firstly, he must be a pretty good player just yeah. to be fizzing that around. Got some mitts on him. Yeah, must have some mitts. Yeah. I um, love the idea of walking down the wedding and thinking, oh, it's a side net. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> the aisle. So, you know, because we've been talking about ruined words in cricket. Now there's going to be ruined scenes. Yeah. And you go, oh, there's a side nets. Yeah. The, the aisles are yeah, decked now. Yeah. 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 I'm going to go sit in a pew over there. What, side net? <laughs> Where are you sitting, shit net? <laughs> in the shit net. <laughs> Well, that'll just about do it. That'll just about do it. Uh, we've got a. I don't. I actually won't say that um, about what's happening this week. We've got some stuff coming out this week. Yeah. We're looking forward to some it. Some good uh, stuff. Uh, and also, you can join us on YouTube. And uh, the audio exclusive will be on Patreon for our dailies for the fourth and final test match, India versus England, fourth test match. Uh, the audio that's going to be on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash grey cricketer. And of course, the dailies will be on YouTube themselves. So you can find them in one of those two places. Uh, thank you very much to Colin Miller. Plenty of good stuff coming out this week. Looking forward to it. We'll be back next week, of course, right here on the Grey Cricketer Podcast. We'll see you then.